Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. We're not going to go through the whole book of Revelation, just the first um, three chapters of it. There's a couple of reasons why I want to do this. Um, Jesus is talking to the seven first century churches. And it seems to me that what is, uh, how much, no matter how many things change, things stay the same. A lot of what he was addressing in the first century church is true in the 21st century church. And I'm hoping that this series will help you see who Jesus is, and it'll help you take steps towards him. That as you abide in him and as you get to know him, that, that he will become uh, just uh, uh, more deeply ingrained in your life and you'll get to know him better. If you've ever read the book of Revelation, you'll know that it's uh, a weird and wonderful book. Um, in places, it's difficult to understand. The apostle Paul wrote this book to the churches that were located in what is now modern-day Turkey. It was written in a poetic language, and some would say a coded language, so the first century church could understand it, but the Roman church could not. Um, for the series, we're not going to focus on the things we don't understand. We're going to focus on the things that we do. Now, before I get to the, the scripture this morning, let me give you some history. And uh, in the 60s, not the 1960s, but A.D. 60, there was a Roman emperor that you probably heard about. His name was Nero. Nero started the, the Caesar cult, and he demanded that people would bow down and worship him as God. That takes nerve, but that was Nero. Of course, Christians couldn't do that, and so he despised them. He also had another problem. He wanted to get rid of the, the slums in the city of Rome. So he devised a plan. He set fire to the city of Rome, but he blamed it on the Christians. He outlawed Christianity and persecuted anyone who called themselves Christians as, as traitors to the Roman Empire. He threw people to the lions. He used Christians as torches uh, to light his garden at night. But the persecution of Christians seemed to be localized to just around the area around the, the city of Rome. Well, Nero was killed in 68 AD. Nero's successor was Vespabian. Vespabian. Uh, he was a trained soldier. He went on many conquests. One of the notable uh, campaigns was he was the one who destroyed uh, the temple in Jerusalem at 70 AD. He slaughtered a million Jews, it said, at that time. Uh, back in Rome, he was receiving, receiving accolades and honor. Now, Vespasian had two sons. His older son's name was Titus, and he was being groomed to take over uh, as Caesar when his father died. And he was a talented soldier. He was known for his glorious campaigns. The, the younger son was named Domitian. He was neglected because, well... The older brother was the star of the family, and he was very much embittered because of it. Well, Vestadian died about 12 years uh, into being Caesar, and uh, it, uh, his son Titus took over as he was groomed to do. But Titus was murdered two years after 
uh, he became the emperor. And the person next in line, Domitian. Now, Domitian felt like he had something to prove. It wasn't long after he came to, to power that, that he restored the Caesar worship that Nero had instigated, uh, but he took it a lot farther than Nero. He made a proclamation, and it went uh, to the length and breadth of the Roman Empire. Failure to comply with Caesar worship was a crime punishable by the most horrendous tortures. To solidify his position, he accused the Christians of treason and child sacrifice and cannibalism. There was even some talk that when the Caesars, when the Christians met in secret, that they would say, this is my body, this is my blood, take eat, take drink. They were, uh, every natural disaster that happened, plague, earthquake, famine, it was blamed on the church. Anti-Christian mania swept the empire. As hatred grew, so did the multitude of paid spies that would try to infiltrate Christians. If anyone retained the title Christian, death was the sentence. They were thrust behind bars. They were stretched on racks until their bones were pulled out of their sockets. They were burned, scourged, stoned, seared, branded. They were cast into the arena with, with uh, wild horn bulls. And if you, the fortunate few, uh, they were just allowed to die quickly on the gallows. No one could receive a proper burial. Corpses were left in order to send a message to uh, that anybody who would stand against the Caesar's will. That's Domitian. Now, it was into this time frame of Domitian's reign that John, the Apostle John, the disciple John, the Apostle John writes his letter. See, John wrote the book of Revelation He's now 80 years old. He was captured, and then he was left to rot on the island of Patmos. Island of Patmos was about 10 miles long, 6 miles wide. It used to be filled with, with palm trees, but the trees were cut down in an early environmental disaster, and the, tree, uh, the, the terrain was, well, was barren as Sudbury in the 70s. The island of Patmos was, was a penal colony. It was also a labor camp, and mining was taking place on the island. It was here that John, the only apostle still alive, wrote and received the book of Revelation. And it was on the island that he received this vision, and here's what verse 1 tells us about the book. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servant what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. What this book is going to tell you is what Jesus wants to say to the seven churches about what must soon take place. It's also a revelation or an uncovering of, that's what revelation means, of who Jesus is. That first line could be translated the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 4 tells us that this letter... Uh, who it's from and who it's addressed to. Revelation 1, verse 4, to John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who, who is and who was and who is to come, 
and from the seven spheres before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the rulers of the king of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from his blood. The letter was from the apostle John. He was one of the 12 who decided to walk with Jesus. But note verse 5, the letter is also from Jesus. Can you imagine going to your mailbox tomorrow and getting a letter addressed to you from Jesus? It says, here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I think about you. Would that be good? Would that be scary? Well, the first thing that God wants us to know is that God loves us. God, God loves you. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. We just came through Easter and how Jesus died for our sin. And the first thing that Jesus wants the people who are receiving this letter to know is that God loves you. Hear what I'm going to say, Jesus says, in this context, I love you so much that I died for you. Let's go on to verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in suffering and the kingdom and patient endurance that is ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of the Lord and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, that's, that's Sunday, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And then it goes on to say, um, in the, his right hand, can we go to the next slide? Uh, yeah, there, whoops, I must have missed it. I missed a slide for those, those people are good. I missed it. It goes on to say, in his right hand, he had seven stars, and pouring out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all his brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive. I am alive forever and ever. And behold, I hold the keys of death and Hades. Before we take a look at the description of Jesus here, what I want you to know is that Part of the description that I just read to you turns up in each of the words to the seven churches. For instance, in, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12, to the angel in the church in Pergamum write, these are the words. Is that there? Hopefully. There we go. To the angel in the church in Pergamum write, these are the words of him who has a sharp, double-edged sword. Um, so that showed up in the description of Jesus, right? To the angel in the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So each time he speaks to a church, he takes part of his, how he has revealed himself in, in the prelude, and he applies that description of himself to that particular church. Jesus shows each church what they need to know about himself 
so that they can deal with the circumstances that they find themselves in. And here's what I want you to know. Jesus wants to do the same thing to you. There's something that Jesus wants to show you about himself that, that you can live well in your life right now. Some of you may need to know about his kindness or his faithfulness or his holiness or his love or his goodness. There's something that Jesus wants to show you about who he is that can help you to live well and be solid in your life right now. Let me walk you through this vision of Jesus. Maybe you'll see some of who he wants to be for you. Verse 12. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I, I, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was, was someone like the Son of Man. So John is on the island of Patmos. He's worshiping the Lord. He's in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He heards his, hears his voice speaking. He turns around. And he has this vision. Uh, and there's one like the Son of Man, and we know a little farther on that it can't be anybody but Jesus, uh, is standing among the seven golden lampstands. We know it's Jesus because in verse 18 he says, I am the one, I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. So Jesus, John sees Jesus standing amongst these golden lampstands. Now, if you read the book of Revelation, you know that Revelation is full of symbols. Uh, symbols is, is something that's concrete to represent something that is, is, is something else, often the abstract. We're told what a lampstand means in verse 20. The seven lampstands represent the seven churches, is what it says. So John sees Jesus standing among the seven lampstands, but what that means is that Jesus is amongst the seven churches. When you think about where Jesus is, or when you picture where he is, where, where do you think he is? Well, some picture him in heaven. Others think about him as being in their hearts. Others think about him as being all around but not tangible. Some, some of us think of him as being in a church service. But here Jesus is pictured as being amongst the seven churches that he's writing to. There's something very tangible, very concrete about this image. It's not just about a church service. It's about the people of God in a specific area, and Jesus is right there. He sees what's going on. He knows our circumstances. He understands Perth better than we do. He understands your life better than you do, and he cares. Verse 13, so it goes on to say, And someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and a golden sash around his, his chest. This is the garb of the traditional high priest, uh, and some prophets. This is what they would, would wear his... Uh, the high position of the sash around his chest shows his standing. He's, he's exalted above all. It's interesting that Jesus 
chose to reveal himself first of all as the people's high priest. He could have come as a soldier dressed for battle. He could have come as a, in carpenter's clothes so people could relate to him. He could have come in any garb he wanted to, but he chose the high priest. See, the role of the high priest was to act as a representative of God to the people and people to God. If you want to come to God, you come through Jesus. If you want to know what, what God is like, you, you look at Jesus. Jesus is the one who ushers us into the presence of God. I find it interesting that in verse 6 he, uh, of Revelation chapter 1, John calls the people of God uh, priests. And we're called to bring people to God and God to the people. But Jesus is the high priest, and you function under him. I wish I had more time to flesh this out, but I don't. Revelation chapter 1, verse 14. And the hair of his head was white as wool, white as, white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. In Daniel chapter 7, God is described as the ancient of days, and he is, he is uh, described as having hair as white as snow. And so the description that's going on here links him with the God who is uh, God the Father, and his eyes are like blazing fire. As I said before, it's using symbolic language. If you, uh, if you take this picture literally, it's rather grotesque. But the eyes symbolize the all-seeing eyes of Christ. Again, it's linked to who God is, for God is all-seeing. And in many of the cities that John was writing to, there were secret cults. And you had to have the secret to, to know God. Jesus wanted to remind these churches that there's nothing hidden from their sight. Many of these churches have been under persecution for a while. And some of them felt like they were suffering in, in secret and silence and nobody was seeing what was going on. Jesus wanted those people to understand, nothing escapes my gaze. There were people who were living in ways they shouldn't be. Jesus wanted them to know that too. There are a lot of you who are going through a lot of stuff. You have health challenges and family challenges and work challenges. I want you to know that Jesus sees. Your life is not caught him by surprise. It's not hidden from him. And I want you to know that he loves you. He has the best in mind for you. Verse 15. His feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace. And his voice was like the sound of a rushing waters. Bronze was one of the, the, the strongest metals they had at the time. And uh, he, Jesus wanted them to know that he was like a pure bronze, as solid as solid could be. You're secure hanging on to him in the middle of the store. And his voice sounded like rushing waters. If you've ever been uh, beside uh, a waterfall that has a volume of water going over it, you'll know how loud it is. And you know how much power it conveys. In the face of the Roman government, the people felt weak. They needed to know that their God was strong. In the middle of persecution, they, they needed to know that their God was powerful. In the middle of their circumstances, they needed to know that they could hang on to Jesus 
and he would not be moved. I don't know what you're facing, but I want you to know that Jesus is strength that you can rely on. And I know that a number of you have testified to the fact that, yeah, you've walked through some deep waters and Jesus has been there. God is showing up when you needed it. I want you to know he's strong. Verse 16, in his hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all his brilliance. Reminds us of, uh, sword stands for truth. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of, of the heart. You know, in our world, it seems like truth has become personal. You have your truth, I have my truth. Which is a little weird when you think about it. We can have different perspectives. But truth is about reality. Your truth may tell you that you are a bus. It doesn't mean you're a bus. That doesn't conform to reality, does it? The thing is, we live in a world that has been broken by sin. Our view of what is good and bad and right and wrong have been skewed by this world. But it's not what I say is true matters. It's not what you say is true that matters. It is what Jesus says. Because he has revealed himself as the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one who judges what is true. His view on these things matter. Jesus revealed himself in this grand picture. So that the people in the seven churches in what is now modern-day Turkey, would catch a glimpse of who he is so that they could live their life, which was difficult and hard, in a way where they could rely on him. Verse six goes on to, 16 goes on to talk about how he, his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. It's a reference to the glory of God. Jesus shows his beauty and majesty and wonder of who God is. As I've been describing who God is this morning, I wonder if some of what I've said you need to hear for yourself. Maybe you need to contemplate that he was among the seven churches, amongst the lampstands. See, he, he knows what's going on in our lives, in our town. He knows what's going on in your circumstances. He sees what's going on. And you need to remember that he's your high priest. He wants to bring you to God, and he wants to bring God to you in a way where you're walking in this relationship with him that's deep and substantial and good and true and wonderful, that brings peace and kindness and joy into your life. If you've been walking in shame and fear and guilt, wondering if God will accept you or not, go to Jesus. He's your representative. 
Maybe you need a higher vision of who Jesus is. He's in very nature God. His hair was like the one of the ancient of days, and his eyes were like blazing fire, and he sees all. He sees your challenges. He sees your sorrows. Jesus, who came and died for you, was and is God and is close to you. Maybe you need that, to know that he is strong and that you can hold on to him and he will hold on to you. Listen for his voice in the storm. It's a powerful voice. It's a wonderful voice. It has the ability to walk you through tough times. Listen for what he says. Maybe you say, Lord, I need truth in my situation. Maybe my vision's a little warped of what's reality. Maybe I don't see the spiritual world the way I should. Maybe I don't see this world the way I need to. This morning, as you look at Jesus, we have this wonderful opportunity to share communion together. See, because you, you have this grand view of Jesus. And yet he offers this invitation to those of you who follow him and say, I want you to come. And I want to remember what, you to remember what I've done for you. My body was broken for you. My blood was shed for you. Take eat in remembrance of me. Take drink in remembrance of me. See, this grand vision of the Jesus who, who is above all and is over all and who is strong and who is faithful and who is, who is wise, who sees all, is the same Jesus who comes to you personally and says, yeah, I died for you and I love you. I love you dearly. Won't you allow me to speak grace into your life wherever you're at? You're going to walk with me. You're going to need my strength. And you're going to need to know who I am. But I can carry you through. So emperors like Nero and emperors like Domitian, yeah, they can be painful, they can be hard, they can be challenging, but they're no match for me. I'm stronger than them all. You can count on me. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. In this moment of silence, Lord, I'd ask you the question, would you speak into our minds who you want to be for each person here? Would you give them a picture or a word of who you are for them? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your great love that meets us right where we're at. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.